1: Hello and welcome. You are here with Destination Draft Day. I'm Michael Rockman, joined by Nick Durst, and let's get into it. It's another great day to talk about the NFL Draft. We're excited. How's it going, Nick? Hey, Michael, it's it's doing great, and
0: we're we're happy to be back for
1: episode number
0: two. We had a lot of fun in episode one. we to just thank all of our listeners and, and viewers, of course. And you know, in case you you did not you did not know this. Uh, for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, and ministry perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today. From high school, college, to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft to this year, to free agency, from pregame to postgame, film analysis, to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. And of course, the season's about to kick off, Michael. So this is the, this is the place to be. And we want to thank everybody for joining us. And uh, please help the art if you can, you can catch the show on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call. Wherever you get your podcasts, that's where our show is available. And let's just get right into it here. Michael, obviously... You know, you had a a big time uh, guest appearance on Sunday, another show on the network. Thanks, uh, thanks for getting, getting that out there, getting the word spread. But you were discussing the draft and really how important it is for for building teams at, the, at this point, especially right now with everything's going on.
1: Yeah, I think uh, in terms of team building, there is no more important aspect that you must be talented at than building your team through the draft. Yes, you have the option of free agency and any rollover roster that any new GM will get whenever he steps into this job. But you cannot successfully sustain a great team that puts out great performances without building through the draft. And that's not just your first-round picks, but you have to get some mid-round contributors as well. That's not just your starters, but it's filling out a whole roster with great depth as well.
0: Yes, certainly. And, you know, nothing is more – you know, a better proof of concept than that, than the way the running back has really been, been changed over the last few years. Other than Saquon Barkley, who really coming to the draft, everyone was like slam dunk Hall of Famer. And the Giants decided to pick him, and so far it's worked out pretty well because you look at the other quarterbacks, like Sam Donald and Josh Allen, hasn't worked out too well. Josh Allen, though, I do like him a lot. Maybe we can get into him a little bit. But, you know, looking at that, that pick worked out. Uh, but other than that, you know, you look look around the league. Like Alvin Kamara, sixth-round pick. A lot of these running backs, Michael, are certainly all over there in the draft. And how often do you see guys coming in, late-round pick, and then all of a sudden, wow, week 16, 17 in the playoffs, these guys are making major impacts.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things is at the running back position, a lot of people try to say, oh, you know, Running backs don't matter. They obviously matter in the grand scheme of if you have a team with a good running back, you're going to benefit from that. But the fact is there's so much talent at the position that it's it's decreased the need, and that's why last year we saw great running backs like Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, and DeAndre Swift, who probably would have been first-round backs in most other drafts, fall to the second round, and it's because the need isn't as prevalent these days in the NFL. Block Lesnar back. What's up,
0: Block Lesnar? Thanks for commenting. This guy as well. Uh, but yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Um, I, know, I I host the podcast, you know, I'm right. Another another podcast. We had you on with uh, my co-host Joe and I think we were both talking about we really love that Jonathan Taylor pick for, for the Colts. I think he's going to have a tremendous year. Uh, outside of, of quarterbacks, I think he's probably the favorite for the offensive rookie of the year. I could see them running the ball a lot, especially as Philip Rivers is in his first year there. The Colts wide receivers, kind of questionable as to their skill level. But they're, they're a good team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, the Colts. So I think they want to do the old Bill Parcells style of football, ground to pound and defense around the clock. So I could see Jonathan Taylor having a really massive year. And the yeah, back I think he's gonna.
1: think he's gonna have some great success there in Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, but you know, when you look at, at at the at the draft, and I think we we discussed in episode one, like the, the the picks that are really valuable. Obviously, you know, you want a top ten pick, but the late first round pick, really into the third round pick, is really important. And you know, you've seen as of late, Michael, with the compensatory rounds, those really come back tremendous dividends and that's really impacting just the way that the league is run now when it comes to re-signing guys because especially with the Patriots they're always looking for those compensatory picks.
1: Yeah I think it's a huge part and while you know you're you're giving up some great players to get back a third round pick in return the fact that you can now assess players as okay we already know that we can get a third round pick for them we don't have to trade them away because their contract is expiring. If we think that we should contend this year, keep them on the roster because of how talented they are, and then just get a third-round pick back instead of, you know, cutting your losses early and then getting back a second-round pick, maybe a late first or something. It's it's generally, you know, not worth it because you got to take advantage of that championship window when you have it. If you believe you're a contender, then you got to go for it. And that's why teams like the Patriots – you know, they get a lot of con- compensatory pr- picks because, I mean, the Patriots have been contenders year after year.
0: Yeah, then you have another team that is clueless when it comes to this as a late. Dave Gettleman's Giants. You know, so last season they traded for Leonard Williams when they're a horrendous team from the Jets, and they ended up with a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. So the third-round pick was this year in 2020, which was their compensatory pick for getting ready Landon Collins, who went to the Redskins. And that turned out to be a good decision by then. Now the Washington football team. And they gave up a fifth-round pick in 2021. They had to pay $2 million of his salary. And then they ended up uh, you know, paying him. And they could have just gotten into free agent. So it's really interesting in a scenario like that to, to see where the GM's heads are at.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of difference between those uh, thought processes. And it depends on, I guess, the team status and the overall feel about where the team is at. If you're a young squad, maybe getting rid of players that you don't feel like are a part of the future is important in building the culture and building up that roster. And I think that's what ultimately led to Landon Collins being traded away to Washington.
0: All right, and then you know you're looking at uh, you know, culture, obviously, plays a huge impact in football. And uh, you look at a lot of the teams who finished in last last year or you know, just didn't have a good season. A lot of them, they want to really change the culture, and the way they do that is not by bringing veterans. Maybe you're bringing like a, you know the one veteran to be like a voice in the locker room. And you just like Ryan Fitzpatrick always bouncing around the league because he's a veteran voice, or um, Alex Smith. Kudos to him; he's coming back for the Washington Football Team. Dwayne Haskins learn oh, wow. a lot from him. Kyle Allen learn a lot from him. I personally think Smith's going to end up starting because Rivera's going to win the football games right away. Uh, but yeah, culture change They always comes by these guys get in there. They want to draft their own guys and they ultimately want to build through the draft.
1: Yeah. And taking a look at those bottom of the barrel teams from last season, I think we see a lot of these teams ultimately improving their rosters pretty well. First jumping into one of the teams that was almost considered a laughing stock in some sort was the Miami Dolphins. And, The way that Flores has now taken this first offseason, Chris Greer gets credit as well. They have incorporated a lot of talent into this defense. They brought in players like Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, even depth players like Landon Roberts that will help the long-term sustainability and success of this defense. And I think Flores is on his way to building a very good program. Obviously, they got Tua at the QB position. In terms of team needs – at the moment, I think running back is going to be one that, while they have Jordan Howard and they have Matt Breida, as time goes on, they're going to want to find a spot where they can get a very talented running back. Maybe looking at a Travis Etienne or an G Harris in this upcoming draft, I think the Dolphins could benefit greatly from that. And in terms of wide receiver, while Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, as well as other guys such as Albert Wilson – have shown some very talented ability. I think they're going to ultimately want to bring in another guy. If there's a top level talent, that they feel like Tua can benefit from, or even Fitzpatrick. I think they'll, I think they'll jump on it. And while the need isn't as huge as some of these other positions, I do think that wide receiver is something that the dolphins could still address. Moving over to the offensive line. I give the Dolphins a lot of credit for this offseason and addressing the offensive line. I think the right guard position is the main thing that is in question right now, whether Robert Hunt steps into that right guard spot and then right tackle becomes more of a question mark, or if it becomes Hunt at right tackle and there's just that hole at right guard. Jesse Davis would likely take over, but I still think it's a need going forward. And then there's question marks at the other spots. You know, they drafted Austin Jackson, which is – Hopefully going to pan out for him. Erec Flowers is at left guard, which should be good. But, you know, he's had some shaky moments in his career. Nick, I'm sure you could tell everyone about that in this Giants days. And then Ted Karras Karras comes in at center, which will also have some question marks. While he proved himself pretty well in New England, we have seen guys come out of that New England system without as much talent surrounding them and then struggle because of that. So hopefully he's – Accusation or hopefully these acquirements for the offensive line will benefit the dolphins going forward, but we shall see. Yeah.
0: You can't, you can't rely on Eric Flappers. Uh, He did. He, he really got a lot to do with the end of the Tom Coughlin era because he just didn't play well. Jerry Reese, that was his big pick. Uh, didn't come out. I think he's playing right tackle now with uh, the dolphins. So maybe that might be be better for him. It's a big body guy. um, But he wasn't a good chemistry guy there, so that didn't work out. Uh, now, Jay Harris that you mentioned, uh, when I was at Blue Report, he uh, came into the office, um, so it's been interesting to see him grow as a player. But, um, you know, I always worry about these Alabama running backs. Obviously, not Derek, Derek Henry was not the star running back in Alabama. yet He ended up being the star in the NFL. You remember, he was with Trent Richardson. Who is one of the biggest busts of all time the Browns straight up for him so it'll be interesting to see how he develops on the pro level there obviously they were tanking for Tua they ended up winning games and they still got Tua uh, I think they'll probably have Fitzpatrick start the season at least like a game or two you know Fitzpatrick will do his usual either like this on five touchdowns the next week it'll find perceptions and they'll ultimately move to Tua assuming he's healthy but the Dolphins are certainly headed in the right direction there. Um, I think they'll probably finish in third in the AFC East this year. I think the Jets would probably be in last. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see how they we ended, up, we ended up building. But obviously, um, at the skill level positions, they have some needs. And they'll continue to build the, the
1: offensive line to overall help the offense. Yeah, I'm very excited to see how the Dolphins continue to build this team. I think they have a very bright future. And I think it's important for their fans to realize, you know, this is year one of the rebuild. So we'll see what happens going forward, but I'm excited for Miami's future. Moving on to the AFC North, we have the Cincinnati Bengals, who came in last, last season, had the number one pick. They got Joe Burrow. Overall, I'd say their team needs wide receiver is going to be a, a question mark, and it's not necessarily an immediate need because you have guys like A.J. Green and John Ross who – may not be there next season, and that's where the need could come in, whether they decide to ride with Auden Tate or whether they look to the draft to to bring in another asset for Joe Burrow and the offense, whether they're looking at guys like Jamar Chase early or whether they're looking at mid-round options just to bring in another weapon on the outside. I think Tyler Boyd's in for a big season, and I like T. Higgins. We're just going to have to see – If they have that third receiver going forward, hopefully A.J. Green can stay healthy and put up a great year and the Bengals decide to pay him. At tight end, they have Drew Sample, who's a very talented blocking tight end, but I think they need to bring in another receiving threat, whether it's Brevin Jordan or whether it's someone like Kyle Pitts who maybe doesn't fit the typical well-rounded tight end mold, but he's still a very good asset in the passing game, and I think Burrow could benefit from having a guy like him. On the offensive line, I think the interior offensive line still has many question marks. Jonah Williams is going to do a big job of improving this overall performance, and I trust Frank Johnson at right tackle. Trey Hopkins is a pretty solid center, but I think the guard spots are still very big question marks for this team going forward, and we shall see how they do this season. And then, obviously, there's the defensive line. And for the Bengals – I think the defensive line is very talented, but the age concern is there. And so they'll have to look for guys to come in, probably second, third round guys, to learn from Geno Geno Atkins, sorry about that, and eventually take over the role. I think there's question marks surrounding the linebacker and cornerback position, but we'll have to get a year of assessment to really determine if there's still needs going forward or not.
0: A lot, of Nick, people feel are, the a lot of people are really down on AJ Green this year, especially the fantasy experts. A lot of them are saying you, know, you don't want you don't want to touch AJ Green this year. Fact of the matter is when well, he's healthy, which fortunately hasn't been too often as of late. He's still want to be the best wide receivers in the game. Uh, obviously, anytime you're you're looking at a team that is in the bottom of your division. And you look at this whole chart, here, Everybody needs offensive line because they want to protect their quarterback and that'll allow their their running backs and wide receivers to succeed. So Big Me there. Atkins, he's getting a little older. He's still he's still an elite uh, defensive tackle. Uh, and of course, other than Green, you're really like, who's on the offense? So definitely wide receiver there. But of course, all eyes will be on Joe Burrow. He'll be playing from from week one. What do, you, what do you think you need to expect from him in his, in his rookie season, especially because uh, I'm really interested in seeing the rookie quarterbacks this year where they had no OTAs, um, they didn't have any preseason games. And it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to adapt and really go from the jump on week one. Uh, so I think, I think there's going to be some growing pains there for the Bengals just because of the fact they're, they're a young team. Their whole, their whole future is Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be good, but just didn't have enough
1: reps to be ready for September 12th. Yeah, see, I'm kind of on the opposite end. I do think there's going to be some growing pains, and he's not going to be dominant as he was at LSU. But I think Joe Burrow is in for a big rookie year, and I think that he's going to break the rookie touchdown record. As surprising as that may sound, I think he's one of the most pro-ready prospects we've seen in a while, whether it's because he's already 23 years old or what. I think he has the intelligence, and I think he's been working already with his receivers quite a bit. I think he's in for a big year, and I think he's going to surprise some people, even despite all the uh, setbacks with this offseason. it be
0: something to look, look at for sure. It's, just, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, it's going to be really feast or famine for a lot, a lot of the rookies this season. I don't know if there's going to be too much middle ground.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. So moving on to the AFC South, we look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, who a lot of people are predicting to have the number one pick in this upcoming draft. For me, I'd say the team needs are running back with Leonard Fournette likely on his way out. Tight end, they have Tyler Eifert at the moment, who is injury prone and really hasn't gotten a chance to prove himself due to those injuries. And then there's some questions in, in the interior of the offensive line and the defensive line interior as well. While they have some great edge rushers, I think, They need some defensive tackle help. We'll see how Taven Bryan does in his third year. He's had some bright spots, but there's been some bad play as well. It's going to be interesting to see. And then at the cornerback position, C.J. Henderson was a huge pick for this team. But I think there's still some questions in that secondary, and they overall need some help. The quarterback position is going to be very interesting to assess. At the moment, I don't have it listed as a need. A lot of people love Gardner Minshew. He had a very solid rookie year and I'm willing to wait on declaring them needing a QB. But if they end up with the first pick, I expect Trevor Lawrence to be the pick very easily, and the Gardner Minshew era will sadly come to an end. Mustache mania no longer.
0: I, I don't I, I don't see the Jaguars being so bad that he had the first pick.
1: I mean, yeah, I don't see him as the first pick. I think it's consensus pick, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think – Washington, who's right there, and we'll talk about them a little bit later. I think they have probably the best odds of being.
0: Yeah, I, 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 definitely think so. I think that I, the, you know, I think if they're going to play Alex Smith, they're going to win some games. Um, so I actually think the Washington football team with Alex Smith has a chance to make the playoffs. Um, but if they go with Dwayne Haskins, they're going to be a disaster. I think I actually think the Detroit Lions are going to be at the top of the draft board. Um, and I think that might
1: be the end for Matt Patricia in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk, to, talk about it when we get there. So moving on to the AFC West, the Chargers have done a great job of really filling out their roster. I think the biggest thing now is filling out the rest of the offensive line. Left tackle is still a disaster. And I think if they were to get a top pick in this year's class, which I think they still will, as they're kind of developing the offensive side of things, look for them to acquire someone, maybe not a Penny Sewell, but maybe someone like a Jackson Carmen or a Dylan Radens or whoever is up there in the offense tackle class. Now getting to the teams me and Nick were just discussing. In the NFC East, I have the Washington Football Club being the worst team. I think while I'm a fan of Haskins, actually, I'm not a fan of this overall roster. Adrian Peterson – Will produce somewhat, but he's not going to be a star running back like we've seen from him in the early 2010s. Antonio Gibson will help out, but I don't think he's going to contribute as much. Wide receiver still in need, even though Terry McLaurin had a big season. Steven Sims is all right. The offensive line is probably one of the biggest issues with this team. The offensive tackle position is horrendous. Cornelius Lucas, I believe, is the starter right now, with Sadiq Charles uh, trying to get in there. And really, it's just question marks all around. The linebacker position is not great. The cornerback and safety positions are also struggling. Landon Collins is a good guy to have, and you have Fuller there. But overall, there's just too many holes on this roster to feel comfortable about going forward. I you know, give great props to Alex Smith, and I do like Dwayne Haskins. But the biggest thing for QB success, especially when you're a young quarterback, is having a great Supporting cast around you to kind of build up your confidence and help your development. And Washington has not done that. Yeah, Washington. There's a, there's a lot going on there. Uh, off the field stuff
0: is a lot of concerns over there. But I don't know. I, I just think that Alex Smith can make a big difference. We'll make we'll, we'll we'll watch and see. But of course, they do have a lot of needs. Uh, but overall, they're. Maybe headed more so in the right direction now with Ron Rivera, but other than Belichick, when's the last time you saw a coach being able to handle a full roster and, and have a lot of success? Joe O'Brien has made some crush moves. He's got full control there, and most of the time it hasn't worked out.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how Rivera goes about building this roster. I'm not quite sure I like the idea, but – We'll see how it plays out, and if I'm wrong, I, I'd be happy to. I really like Rivera as a coach, and I think he's a good guy. Moving on to the NFC North, the Detroit Lions, who kind of got the short end of the stick with injury issues, but Matt Stafford has had real durability issues year after year. If he were to get injured again, we could definitely run into that issue where he you know, goes down and the Lions just continue to fall apart. I think overall the needs are wide receiver, with Marvin Jones likely heading out the door. Offensive line, they've done a great job of filling out the team. I think right tackle and left guard are still issues that we'll have to see how this team goes about it. And then the linebacker position, they brought in a lot of guys to fill the spots, but we never truly know how they'll do in the system. And from that, we will be able to see whether guys like Reggie Raglan or maybe Gerard Davis has a breakout year. We'll see. But There's still a lot of question marks surrounding this team. Cornerback is still an issue because we don't know how Desmond Trufant's going to be. Hopefully, though, the Lions can stay healthy and we can really get a full assessment on what this team can do. Moving on to the NFC South, I think the Panthers have a lot of opportunity to be good with Joe Brady coming in at the offensive coordinator position. Teddy Bridgewater's at QE, but I think there's still a need there due to the fact that most likely Bridgewater is not your guy going forward. The offensive line still has issues. They traded for Russell Okung, which will be good going forward, but there's still some issues on the interior offensive line. Overall, just consistency with some of the younger guys. On the defensive side, I think there's some edge question marks, although Brian Burns is very talented. You need to get another guy there to support him. Linebacker with Luke Keek leaving, I think there's still a lot, of, a lot left to be desired at the position group. As well as the secondary, still needs a lot of help. Dante Jackson was up and down all last season. Eli Apple isn't a great, dependable starter. And then both safety spots, while they have guys like Jeremy Chin, will need to be assessed as the season goes on. Nick, how are you feeling about the Panthers this season?
0: I'm interested to see what's going on with the Panthers. Uh, Matt Rule gets a huge deal to come to the Panthers. Uh, instead of the Giants, so can't fault him from taking that money there. Uh, but overall, you know, they're a last place team for last year, so they have a lot of needs. But you know where's a good place to start? Christian McCaffrey. So <laughs> I think they're going to be okay with, with, with offense there. Um, I like Bridgewater. Well, I want to see if he gets a chance finally the restart. Let's not forget this guy was the franchise quarterback in Minnesota with the Vikings and four injury, did go to the Pro Bowl. A lot of teams need edge, edge, edge rushers, so I agree with you there. But I don't, I don't foresee them, you know, necessarily being the worst team in the division again. But and then again, the NFC South is really good with the Saints, Bucks. And Falcons, so they could be in last, but I don't think they'd be like you know a two three team. Like I can see them winning five six games and they come in last place. So of the last place teams, they would uh, certainly not be the the worst. Uh, but you know they have McCaffrey. I'm interested to see what goes on with Bridge with Bridgewater. But um, I would say another need they're going to have, and they probably you know if you're honest, I think Greg Olson's a big loss. I think. He was their, their go-to guy there at tight end, and I think uh, ultimately that's going to be something they need to replace both it's a locker room presence and also on the field.
1: Yeah, and if you're a QB that's really getting one year to kind of prove yourself, there's not really a better opportunity than getting to work with guys like McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel all in one offense with Joe Brady as your offense coordinator if Bridgewater's in for a good year, it's going to be a big one, and that'll be exciting to see how he does with this offense. We got a comment coming in from Glock Lesnar about Gardner Minshew, never trust a guy who wears jorts. Glock Lesnar apparently isn't feeling mustache mania.
0: I actually like Gardner Minshew, and if you, if you compare him to other rookies over the past few years, his numbers are better. So uh, I understand why all of a sudden they say, oh, let's get to Lawrence, but Eventually, you found him late in late in the late round. He did well. He took the job from Nick Foles. Um, Mania was crazy for a little bit. Um, but when you're talking about the Jags, uh, I wouldn't say QB is one of their 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 top needs there. Um, but you know, maybe if they don't get the first pick, maybe they do consider like someone in the caliber of Justin Fields. But it'll be interesting to see you know what direction they go. But, you know, there are other needs there. So I don't I don't think, unless Minshew is just horrendous this year, I don't, I don't see that being, um, you know, a big issue at quarterback.
1: Yeah, I think this whole season is going to be a very big test for Minshew and determining how far he can really become or how far he can come as the QB of this organization. And it's yeah. really just going to be, you know, if he comes far enough, then, yeah. They got a great steal and they'll go forward with them. But if not, then, you know, they're going to have to assess their options. Uh, So moving on to another young QB who's gotten a lot of hype, the NFC West Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray seems to be in for a big season. A lot of people are picking the Cardinals as their sleeper playoff team. A lot of people are looking for Kyler Murray to continue this sophomore MVP streak. Uh, We saw Mahomes, then Lamar, and now. We're here with expectations on Kyler Murray. I don't know if it happens, but I think Kyler Murray is going to be in for a very talented year. DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. I'm excited for the Arizona Cardinals offense. Kenyon Drake really came into his own in the offense as well. It seems to be a great fit. I think the needs overall for this team are tight end. And then looking at the offensive line, there's still some issues on the interior. I like, uh, I like, Josh Jones at right tackle. I think as a third round pick that was a solid grab. And then for left tackle, I think that DJ Humphries is a good get. And then for the defensive line, I think there's still some question marks. they have Jordan Phillips and Lecky Fo to it and nose tackle which should be good, but the other defensive end positions I think will need improvement.
0: Yeah I got I, I would say right now the Cardinals would be my pick to win the NFC West every year. They have a new winner it seems like out there. Um, teams going first to worst every year. I think the 49ers are going to have a big drop-off this year, similar to the Rams did last year. They're going to have a lot of trouble making the playoffs. Seahawks are going to be good. You know why? Because Russell Wilson's there. That's basically it. They'll be be good. But I like Kyler Murray. I definitely would consider him an MVP candidate for this season. He had a really impressive rookie year, which went under the radar just because of what Guys like Lamar Jackson were doing. He was he was kind of overlooked there. Um, I really I'm really interested to see what's going to happen this year. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a huge addition for him, uh, and of course you yeah, Larry Fitzgerald who's still there, one of the all time greats. And that was I'm, I'm sure if you ask Kyler Murray, you know, did, what was a big help in your in your rookie season? It was definitely Larry Fitzgerald's leadership there. I'm expecting a big year from from him and the Cardinals. I, I really like what they're doing there. Uh, the other team I wanted to touch on from your, your chart was the the Chargers. Um, I know in the past, I mean, you've disagreed on Justin Herbert, but Justin Herbert, to me, I get uh, Josh Allen vibes from him. So I think he's going to be very successful. I think Tyrod Taylor probably starts the season, though, at QB. So I don't think they'll be that good this year. Um, first year in their new stadium, sharing with the Rams, of course. But I think they're in good hands there with Justin Herbert. Um, we'll see. No Melvin Gordon anymore. It'll be interesting to see how that cousins comes into play. They could be a team, as you mentioned earlier on, that is in the mid rounds getting an impact running back. Uh, so, yeah, so I definitely, definitely interested to see the Chargers this year, and of course, definitely interested to see former Oakland A's prospect, Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray, and the Cardinals this year.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting and a lot of those teams probably will not return as the worst team in the division I think a lot of people when they go through and predict these spots they kind of go very chalk and it's easy to do that whenever you're trying to predict standings trying to predict where each team is going to land but a lot of these teams they've grown in a lot of ways and they're going to find ways to win and it's important to do that coming off of a bad year where you're finishing last year division this coming year they're looking to win they're looking to win big whether it's you know, they're making strides to try to be a playoff team or whether they're just trying to build and grow out of being that last team in the division. It's going to be interesting to see how these teams go about uh, this new year and new strategies.
0: Certainly, no doubt about that. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of players who are going to be carefully watched in this upcoming draft class. You know, how many times do you go into a season saying, oh, this this guy's the best corner or that – that guy's the best safety. And then you, you know, you really want to see them face off. And you want to kind of see, you know, what is the pros and cons of each player? This is what goes on in the draft room, right? Michael, like there's two guys in the same position, and the GM and the coach, they really gotta figure out which, which of the two guys in the same position is a better fit for their organization.
1: Yeah, and that leads perfectly into the prospect face off. We're talking about two of the best. Big 10 wide receivers, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota versus Rondale Moore from Purdue. Both of these guys are extremely enticing players. Whether you know about them or not, these are guys that you got to keep an eye on for the upcoming season. We're going to talk about six different talking points and assess the winner of each side. And then at the end of it, hopefully we will have a winner at the Big 10 top receiver. So first, we're going to look into building. This one's rather easy. Rashad Bateman, 6'2", 210. Rondell Moore, 5'9", 180. While I don't hate Rondell Moore's frame, you obviously want the guy that's going to have more size, and Rashad Bateman uses it well. So first point goes to Rashad Bateman. Next, we're going on to hands. Now, one of the biggest issues with Rondell Moore is he has a lot of focus drops. He'll have some very easy catches that just hit him right on the hands and they fall to the ground. And while that's an issue, on the other end, Rashad Bateman is one of the best contested catch makers in college football. And he's really made a name for himself with that ability to go up and get the ball. He's making catches here and there that are just insane to watch. So an easy second point goes to Rashad Bateman, and he's running away with it 2-0 for Rondale Moore. He's not out of it yet. Let's address the speed of both prospects. I think Rashad Bateman is someone that is very underrated in regards to speed. I think when you're a contested catch guy, you kind of have your speed dismissed a bit by evaluators. But I think when you watch Rashad Bateman, he could succeed as a receiver that doesn't just need to depend on going up and getting the ball at the high point. However, on the other end, Rondell Moore is a game-changing speedster. Excellent at creating separation between between himself and his defender. He overall has some great playmaking ability. He returns kicks at Purdue, and I think for that reason, he takes a point, and it's now 2-1. Don't call it a comeback yet. Rashad Bateman, I think, gets the route running while Rondell Moore probably has more potential in this regard. I think Rashad Bateman is more refined. Rondell Moore creates great separation and has excellent release. But in terms of his overall routes, I think he still needs a lot of improvement to improve on how athletic he is compared to his route running ability. Now, in terms of playmaking ability, I think this goes to Rondell Moore because you look at this guy and he just changes the game in so many ways. Yeah, he's not going to go up and get these – catches over double coverage like Rashad Bateman might, but you can get Rondell Moore the ball anywhere. You look at how San Francisco ran their offense with Debo Samuel last year, and that's exactly what Rondell Moore can do. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He can get the ball, handed off to him on a jet sweep, and he can create plays, or he can go downfield and make plays. I think right now Rondell Moore plays in the slot for Purdue for the most part, but I would not be surprised if at the pro level they ask him to play a lot of outside ball because – he has that game-breaking speed to be able to work the sideline, get downfield, and create big plays. And that kind of works in today's NFL where they're going more vertical, where they're trying to test the down-the-field aspect of it. And when you look at that, you you see, guys, if he goes and lands in a spot where he has a rocket on QB, like a Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson-type, He's going to be wanted to be thrown to downfield. And when you have him on the outside, takes him away from the safeties, gives him more space to operate. And I think Rondell Moore could be dominant in that regard. While he's going to have a lot of snaps in the slot, I think he offers versatility to work outside as well. Now we have to go to the potential spot. And I think this goes to Rondell Moore as well. I think both of these guys, cut and dry, they're going to be very good NFL wide receivers. I love both of them. However, looking at Rondell Moore, he only got to play in three full games this season. We have not seen this guy develop as a sophomore yet. And now we're getting him in his third year. For whenever he's a prospect, I think he's going to have a lot of growth that a lot of people didn't get to see because of the injuries he went through and because of the uh, opt-out this season. Both these guys won't be playing this year, so it's going to be really – stuck at this conclusion until, you know, either further evaluation gives some tell that makes me colder on one of these guys or anything like that. But I think Rondell Moore offers extreme potential and extreme ability, you know, being undersized. A lot of people are going to have questions about you. There's no doubt about that. However, I think he proves as a receiver that he can be elite regardless of frame. And for that, the winner between Rashad Bateman and Rondale Moore, prospects base off, Rondale Moore, takes the cake. A 3-3 split among the six categories, and both of these receivers are guys that I will be very high on come draft season. But I think for my money, if I were drafting one of these guys, I would go with Rondale Moore. I think he fits today's vertical game very well, and I think at the very least he's going to be a very good slot receiver. Nick, what do you think about the uh, receiver position going forward, vertical offenses in the NFL? How important is it to have an established deep threat like Rondell Moore?
0: Hey, I'll tell you this. If he's on the clock, the Raiders are going to pick him because they take every <laughs> wide receiver available. They love hey, those you guys. Know, if you're building the him.
1: team and you have Ruggs and Rondell Moore along with Brian Edwards, oh, that's some scary stuff. I, that would be a – I wouldn't hate the pick at all. I think there's a lot of potential there if the Raiders are really just building this offense to be, you know, some speed demon of a team, I don't hate it. Yeah, so, I
0: mean, look, look just look at look at the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill is a perfect example of why everybody wants this type of guy who would just go and get it, burn them. You know, you mentioned guys turning punts or kicks. That's a huge thing there. Uh, and the ability to also play in the slot could come, come into play big time there. Uh, so it's, it's certainly – you know, it's a big it's a big thing that people are looking for in these drafts. You want they want the versatility uh, and and you also want to to have guys who can go get it. You want all these quarterbacks, they want to just throw it deep. Like the Bills got Stephon Diggs for this year because nobody throws a, a further deep ball than Josh Allen. So of course, you know, that's that's what they're gonna look at. What's interesting is you mentioned neither of these teams are gonna play this 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 year. I just wanted to bring up real quick how Ohio State and Penn State are both ranked in the top ten coming into the season. So what is that? They're never going to play a game. Do they move up in the rankings. Do they move down in the rankings. How is that going to work? It's going to be really funny to see. I'm a big fan of Minnesota. If you remember last season, they were undefeated for a while, and uh, the championship committee was really uh, getting worried because they would have had to leave uh, Ohio State out if, if Minnesota won out. And I was like, oh, my! I love for Minnesota. To win, to win the Big Ten, that would have been awesome. Uh, Purdue's is a middle middle of the conference team. Big Ten, big big time football. Big Ten, I really, really think the Big Ten is good conference. I think last year was better than the SEC. Uh, but it's just funny how neither, team, neither team's going to play. There's no way to scout these guys really. Uh, if these these guys are going for the draft, they have no reason to really play in the spring. So who knows, maybe we'll all be breaking down virtual Zoom pro days. That would be that'd be quite the, the tail of tape over
1: there. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how college football plays out with its ranking system, with all of these teams sitting out. Again, we'll pull up this graphic of all the teams that are in and out and missing out on Big Ten football, Pac-12 football, or even some of the mid-major conferences and the FCS. Anything you're missing out on, it's a huge loss. And missing out on the Big Ten especially is going to be very sad. Uh, I've seen Sean Wade's dad on Twitter constantly tweeting out, trying to get the Big Ten to resume and overturn their decision to get football back in the Big Ten. I don't think it will happen. I think the decision is final. But it's going to be interesting to see how these teams go about, you know, whether they try to play or whether these players transfer to new places and it becomes this almost yeah. mega free agency state. And so I, it's interesting
0: um, with the Big Ten where we kind of touched on the first episode where anybody who's playing this year in the spring, it doesn't even count against your eligibility. So it's basically a free year. And that really benefits a program, let's say, that's young, like Rutgers, right? Greg Shannon's right. back. Now he's basically having two incoming freshman recruiting classes. So that's really big time for him when they're trying to develop it. And you might have had like a QB competition between some juniors and seniors, um, but maybe you know instead of going the red shirt red shirt route for some of these teams, they just take their their natural freshmen and you know in spring ball go ahead go out there and play, and then we'll see if you can actually start in the fall because they can still redshirt them again. So there's really no downside to playing them. We don't really think they're going to be playing for anything other than maybe a conference championship, but if you're a team like Rutgers or even a team like Purdue, you're you're probably not winning the big 10 anyway. So you might as well go ahead and take advantage of, you know, playing the young guys and, you know, making sure you're going to be good for the future. But it also opens up a whole can of worms where, you know, they're going to have to make more scholarships because there's only 85 scholarships allowed, but there's going to be extra players. So maybe they expand that. And if not, you're going to have these coaches making some tough decisions and conversations with juniors or seniors who, you know, you might want to say, sorry, we're going to have to cut you here from your scholarship, um, and that might lead to a lot more transferring as well.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see the playoff from this. This is something that we've never seen before, nothing really similar. So the overall impact, it's, it's really hard to assess, and it's all just guesses at this point, but it's going to be hectic. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, so the big ten about- the
0: Big Ten is, you know, it's the top it's one of the top top two conference for sure, right? And you got a lot of guys there who get drafted every year. And you know, if you're looking at the Big Ten top prospects right now, how, is really much gonna change between now and, and a potential draft in May or June? Probably not. I think these these guys right here probably end up uh staying as uh, anonymous This decision spot, each GM has scout has their own little. uh... If you look at your list here, Michael, obviously the thing that jumps off first is you got three guys from Ohio State, two from Michigan. Um, The big the big time schools continue to produce the big time prospects.
1: Yeah, so let's jump into it right away. At quarterback, we have Justin Fields, who I think would have been in for a big season. I think a lot of people wanted to see how he could develop as a passer, really establish himself as that QB2 with Trey Lance, kind of breathing down his neck for a lot of people. And Justin Fields is someone that is going to offer a NFL team a lot of upside. He is a dual-threat QB that fits today's game, needs to improve his overall arm ability, But I think he's very talented, and I think he's going to be a special quarterback in the NFL one day. At running back, I got Journey Brown. The running back position here in Penn State just seems to be constantly giving out a new great running back for the NFL. Whether it was Saquon, Miles Sanders, and now Journey Brown, Penn State is becoming a mini running back university. And it's going to be very exciting to see the overall play out from this team. At wide receiver, we just discussed it. I have Rondale Moore. I love Rashad Bateman, and I think he's very talented. However, Rondale Moore, there's just something about him. Anytime you turn him on on the film, you can see some great playmaking ability, great receiving ability, and he offers so many traits that are just hard to ignore from a receiver, and I think he's going to be special. At tight end, I have Jake Ferguson. I think a lot of people have Pat Frearmouth. I don't know the exact pronunciation, but Jake Ferguson – extremely well-rounded. I think he gets underrated due to Wisconsin's offensive scheme. They don't let him really uh, excel as a receiver, but he has produced anytime he's given the opportunity, and I think he's going to be special at the next level. For the offensive line, there are a lot of options out there, whether it's uh, Daniel Falele out of Minnesota or Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. I think Josh Myers is the best guy. He's a center for Ohio State, and he is completely dependable. He is a huge asset for this offensive line. Ohio State has a great offensive line with a lot of guys that will potentially be drafted come this draft. However, I think Josh Myers is the best on Ohio State and the best in the Big Ten. For the defensive line and edge position, I go to Michigan. I have Aiden Hutchinson on the defensive line and Quitty Pay at edge. I think both of these guys offer similar versatility. Both of them are pretty Stout guys in terms of they have great build, very large players, both around 270. I think Quiddy Pay offers an ability to play edge because you can still play him at 3-4 offensive linebacker or outside linebacker. Sorry about that. And then Aiden Hutchinson, I think you're going to be keeping on the defensive line no matter what. If you're in a 3-4, he's going to be playing defensive end. If you're in a 4-3, he's going to be playing defensive end as well. So I think both of these guys are going to be huge for Michigan this season. We saw it last year with Hutchinson, Pay, and, and Josh Ush. So now Josh is gone, and we get to see these two young guys playing the edge position. At linebacker, Micah Parsons is a dominant player, one of the best linebacker prospects we've seen in years, and it's going to be absolutely amazing to watch him in the NFL. I think he's going to take over some team's linebacker unit and be an absolute star, whether it's a team like the Giants or a team like the Panthers who could really use a linebacker. Whoever gets this guy is going to be extremely thankful that they brought him in, and they're going to have a lot of years where they get to watch this special player. Nick, you've seen a lot of Giants teams, some with some great linebackers and some with some pedestrian ones at best. How important is it to have a guy in the middle of the field really leading your defense?
0: Well, the thing is, they haven't drafted like a linebacker in the first round since like Lawrence Taylor. So I think it's overdue. It's about time linebackers can be huge. If you look at their successful Super Bowl team, you had Antonio Pierce in the middle middle linebacker, captain of the defense. I think it's very important to have a linebacker out there who could, you know, have the defensive headset in his, in his ear and call him the signals, call him the audibles. And it's long overdue for a team like the Giants to draft a linebacker in the early round. And uh, obviously, this would be a tremendous pick if, if it happens to work out. Linebackers are extremely important now these days because more now, more so than ever, you see running backs come out of the backfield to catch the ball. Um, obviously, the wide receiver or uh, the, the running back usually has the advantage there. But if you could find some guy who's mobile enough who could cover the running backs and could drop it to coverage, in uh, zone defense, that you, you're finding absolute stud there. And, of course, everybody is still looking for linebackers who could rush the passer.
1: Yeah, and I think Micah Parsons does all of those things well. Whether you're playing him at the mic, Will, Sam, or anything, really, he is going to contribute to your team. I think he's best suited to play Mike at the next level, but if you put him at will, maybe you're putting Blake Martinez at the mic position, I think you're still going to have some great success. Micah Parsons probably my top defensive prospect for this draft right now and i don't see that changing at cornerback i have sean wade probably a nickel at the next level although there's talks that he was going to move outside for this season i think that just shows that he's a very versatile defender you look at these guys that can play inside outside especially in today's nfl where receivers are moving all around having a guy like sean wade who can stay on the top target if he is your top corner is huge and i think it's going to be Interesting to see in, you know, talk about Sean Wade and this next guy, Eric Burrell. I think that's guys like this are the reason that having this season postponed just is not fun to see because these guys are extremely talented players, but we haven't really gotten the ability to fully assess their game. Sean Wade, we would have got to see how he does on the outside. Eric Burrell had a great season with that Wisconsin defense, but overall, hasn't gotten much recognition in terms of draft media and draft hype. So having another season, being able to play, would have been able to really cement where they should land as prospects. And I think if Burrell were to be able to play this season for Wisconsin, I think he'd be a day two guy, probably early third round, late second. But I think once he makes it to the NFL, I think he's going to have a very strong career. And we're going to see a lot of types of picks like this where – Maybe they didn't get as much draft hype, so they fell to the day threes or even undrafted. and they're just superstars.
0: Yeah, we I mean, that's kind of the theme of our, our show today. You know guys fall into day two or three and become superstars. and I think next year, you're gonna see that more so more so than ever because there's not gonna be as much film on these guys. Uh, obviously, especially with the, the Big Ten and ACC and things that are canceled, there's not going to be as much film. So you could definitely see an All-Pro being drafted in the fifth round uh, that m- many, many scouts may have missed on. But just because of the fact that they didn't play college football for a full season, uh, that's, that, that's why they might be falling to day two or three.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people kind of dismiss the idea. They're like, oh, well, if they didn't cement a name for themselves as a prospect yet there's no reason to think that they will just because they get one more year but if we're looking back at even just the top picks Joe Burrow was going to be a day three pick or an undrafted free agent before the season started Kyler Murray you know it's hard to assess because everyone was just thinking he's going to be baseball but he wasn't even talked about as an NFL prospect really Baker Mayfield was another guy probably early day three whenever the season started and then he flew up boards these guys They play to rise up boards, and we see late-round risers all the time. Look at any draft that starts uh, preseason, early draft, and it's going to be way off from the official results. And it's because after a year of evaluation, a year of growth from guys that we didn't know, a year of guys really kind of getting exposed on their weaknesses, we see these guys kind of, you know, whether it's going up the boards or going down the boards, there's so much change from year to year. And this season was going to be huge for evaluation, especially for the Big Ten and for the Pac-12 who's sitting out. And now we don't get it.
0: Yep, that is certainly for sure a lot to be discussed. And there's a lot of people who really aren't going to get talked about enough just because there's nothing there. And our buddy, Glack Lesnar, he says, Kylan Hill doesn't get talked about enough, in his opinion. Explosive and runs hungry. What are your thoughts on Kylan Hill?
1: Yeah, I think Kylan Hill is someone that is very talented. Uh, At Mississippi State, he's one of the best offensive players in the SEC, but he gets disrespected because he doesn't really have, you know, the the big program type of appeal. I think from what I've heard, there seems to be some question marks on his, like, you know, character concerns and stuff like that. I'm not going to assume that until I actually know for a fact that there is. But I know from what I see on film – He's has some very talented moments, and I'm excited to see what he can do this season. Luckily, we're getting to watch him in the SEC, but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out.
0: And Glock Lesnar wants to know about LaVisca Chenault Jr. I don't know if I said that correct. I think I may have. So yeah. He thinks he's going to be a star in his first year. What do, what do you think? As Obviously, he's, uh, of course, on the Jacksonville Jaguars this season with
1: yeah, I think LaVisca, LaVisca is going to be huge for the Jaguars and their overall offensive success. He's a very versatile, can can be a guy kind of like we talked about with Rondell Moore, who operates with those little jet sweeps and passes behind the line of scrimmage, but also he can get downfield and make plays there as well. LaVisca is overall extremely talented. Chenault has so many capabilities, is a physical specimen that is going to be hard to take down. He's almost like a running back that just works downfield well as a receiver, so he stayed at the spot, and it's going to be super exciting to watch. And funny you mention, Chennault because next episode we're going to be talking about the rookies from this past class and just how well they're projected to be in this season and how we think there may be some sleepers, some guys that maybe don't meet expectations year one. And me and Nick are going to dive into it and talk about all our expectations on Friday.
0: Yeah, we was still looking forward to that show. Another, another episode of Destination Draft Day in the books. And, you know, we'll see what happens between now and Friday. A lot could happen, Michael. Other leagues could drop out. Uh, there could be some more outbreaks, COVID-19. And we'll continue to monitor it. Uh, but of course, you know, make sure you're, you're checking us out here and continuing to stick with the show, uh, you know, for, for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today. From high school football, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft, to free agency from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes, LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football and where can folks find Our show, if you're listening on Twitch, then you know you could find us. And thank you for joining us on Twitch. And please help spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. And you can listen to this podcast. If you aren't familiar with the Twitch, you can listen to it on your mobile device by signing up for Chris Landry's conference call wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching us on Twitch, you just can't get enough of the show. Go ahead and download that show, the show as well, everywhere you can get your podcasts. Michael, it's it's been a, it's been another good show here. And uh, we're going to just continue getting out there and you'll be doing your sky reports and, and you know, Continuing to to get ready for the the draft because it's all about the destination. The destination
1: is drafted. Yep, there's going to be some uh, some some long rides along this road, and I'm excited to take this road trip. Destination draft day. It's been a great episode, Nick. Always a pleasure. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys on Friday.
0: That's going to do it for Michael Rockman. I'm Nick Durst. Uh, thank you for listening to. Destination Draft Day, right here on the Chris Landry Football Network.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy.